Hi, my name's Eva Story, and welcome to Real Nurse Stories. My Real Nurse Stories podcast shares nurses' stories about all things nursing, giving other nurses an opportunity to learn from each other, support each other, and to share the fantastic work that nurses do every day with the wider public. I aim to interview different nurses and allow them the opportunity to share their stories so that you and other listeners can take snippets away from those stories and apply them in the workplace. I'm a professional coach as well as a nurse and I work with nurses to support them in maintaining a work-life balance and helping them with resilience both in their personal life and the professional life. Hi, and welcome to Real Nurse Stories. Today, I'm joined by Rebecca West. Rebecca is a nurse and has over 20 years experience leading and managing residential aged care, experience of community care and acute settings, including clinical and nurse management experience. Welcome, Rebecca, to Real Nurse Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Ivan. It's a pleasure to meet with you today i know it's great technology hey rebecca's in brisbane and i'm here in perth and we're doing this remotely so even better (laughs) absolutely absolutely so today rebecca we're going to talk a little bit about your nursing career um and as you know the real nurse um stories are stories about nurses careers about why they chose to specialise in the area that they did um, mm. and sharing some kind of insights for perhaps a younger nurse just starting out. So I'd like to start, if that's okay, with the question around what made you decide to become a nurse? Sure. Um, look, I, um, I've always been seen as a compassionate and caring person from, from a child upwards and I have a deep love of learning and I have a deep value of justice. So I think they're great traits to have as a nurse, Mm. but I never grew up wanting to be a nurse. In fact, I wanted to do law, you know, when I was at high school, I wanted to study law. Um, But I realized once I got to year 12 that I had not studied hard enough. In uh-huh. fact, I found boys and I loved being a checkout to get coals <laughs> and earning money. So that, that was my priority at high school. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I, when I got my score after I'd done my um, year 12 in Victoria, I had to really think about what I was going to do. It, it was always um, a plan that I would study at university. That was always the way it was going to be, how I was brought up from my family and how... Uh, there was an expectation from the school that I went to that we all went to university. My mum was a registered nurse. She'd done her training at a, at a tertiary hospital in Melbourne. So I understood the career um, and um, I loved hearing the stories that she used to tell. So I, I, I chose nursing in the end. There was just something that I chose. And I think it was from that underlying passion of um, um, having compassion for people and mm. helping people mm. yeah. yeah yeah were you kind of growing up with your mum being a nurse were you kind of 
privy to did your mum talk about her experiences as a nurse or did you were you exposed to kind of her workplace at all yeah not really I think mum mum started nursing um as a classical person did in the 1960s she was finished year 10 she was 16 so I heard stories by the time I was old enough she wasn't nursing anymore her role was to be a mum Mm. Um, she did occasionally work shifts in aged care, um, but I do remember her telling me stories of being a, a first year nurse on night duty and having to look after 30 people, you know, and being <laughs> yeah. first year in nursing and how scary it was. So uh, the delightful caring picture wasn't actually portrayed by mum. <laughs> 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 very and different. she would talk about her matrons and uh, very different nursing was very or sounded very different in the 60s to yeah. what it is now yeah so where um, did you where did you do your training Rebecca hmm. I studied at a university called Deakin University in Melbourne mm -hmm. um, and I loved I've I loved the um, the theoretical learning of nursing uh, it excited me and I was challenged by um, a lot of the anatomy and physiology that we were learning. So I loved that. I loved being able to be challenged to think laterally and creatively mm. um, around whether it was nursing care plans or around courageous discussions with patients and their families. Mm. That got me very excited. Uh, and my first placement, I can remember very quick, clearly, and I don't even know if the um, institution, I'll call it, is there anymore, but it was a big nursing home um, in the suburbs. And I remember quite um, clearly that it was, you had six beds in every room and um, everybody who was old, was old in there and just lying in their bed. Yeah. Mm. I could remember the smell, a very clinical, clinical smell and how everything was very task-based. So it was, it was not reflective of what we were learning theoretically at mm. university about how nursing was. Mm. Yeah, yep. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed my um, placements. I then spent some time in um, some major tertiary hospitals in Melbourne, and that gave me a different insight into nursing in an acute an acute form. Mm. Um, I worked on a gastro ward where I had some great preceptors who taught me um, just about assessment and um, how to not ignore your gut feelings in nursing. Mm -hmm. So that was wonderful. Mm. Um, I had great conversations in those arenas with patients and their families as well. You know, you could see a lot of joy, you could see a lot of fear, you could see a lot of sadness. I also remember doing a placement at a private hospital in one of the eastern suburbs in Melbourne and I was on a palliative ward and um, that, was, that was the first time ever in my life that I'd seen a, uh, a, a person who had passed away. I'd never seen a person who had died before. Uh, so that was um, confronting for me as a, um, I don't know, I probably would have been uh, 18 at the time and again how to have those conversations with loved ones mm. you know? yeah so I had some great learning mm. as um, a university trained nurse um, my mum when I was thinking about what I was going to do 
that year was the last year that nurses could be trained in hospital in Victoria. So mum gave me some great advice and said to me, go to university and do your training. Mm. Mm. She said, don't be a university trained nurse. Um, times are changing and um, you need to be able to think, make decisions and understand the theory behind why you are doing that. And I'm really glad that she um, encouraged me to do that. That's good advice. Good yeah. advice. Yeah. It was interesting, the first probably 10 years of my nursing, there was a um, unwritten, unwritten, I won't say conflict, but there was an underlying, are you a hospital trained nurse or a university nurse? Mm. You don't tend to hear that anymore. No. Uh, but there was very much that cultural shift um, from going from hospital trained to university trained mm. nursing. Mm. So... Where did you decide to specialise, Rebecca, once you'd done your training? Where, yeah. where, what, what kind of influenced your choices around that? Sure, sure. Well, the year that I graduated, there were about 2,000, I think, of us who graduated from nursing across Victoria. And there are only 200 grad programs. So um, I did not get a graduate program. Um, I had... I had during my time at university been employed by a community care organisation as an AIN. So I had started um, doing, uh, working with people with disabilities and I'd started working with elders in the community. So going to their homes mm. and, and assisting them with their hygiene. Um, so an opportunity came up for me to work in residential aged care, which I did. Mm. I did do that. Um, I worked for a, a non-for-profit organisation in Melbourne for about six months. But at, again, as a young person, um, I wanted to get the high of nursing. I wanted to get excitement. And, you know, <laughs> aged care nursing was not, and still to a point, is not seen mm. as very sexy. You know, I want to work in the emergency department yeah. or a theatre. <laughs> so <laughs> growing up, my... Um, one of my aunties uh, lived in Queensland in an outback town called Junda, which is near Longreach. Mm. And I had been out there quite a few times growing up and loved out west in Queensland. It's, it's beautiful. It's mm. peaceful, very different than growing up in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, there's a great sense of community there. So I took a chance and applied for a registered nurse position at the hospital at Longreach. Mm -hmm. And I got it. And that's where I fell in love with rural and remote nursing. Yeah. Um, I spent my time mostly outback Queensland. I did um, a stint in an island, Stradbroke Island, which is off Brisbane, where it's a one nurse, um, one nurse hospital or primary health clinic. And spent some time in um, indigenous, rural, remote indigenous mm -hmm. communities. I spent some time. Um, at Mornington Island or Gunana, as it's known by the local people, where I met my husband. Um, so I really, I, I really, really enjoyed rural and remote nursing. And I did that probably for about 10, 10 15 years. Mm. Um, and again, it was a couple of things. One, about community. So you'd walk down the street and you would know the people who mm. you were with. And you would have those relationships with those people when they came in and they were acutely unwell, which I think uh, creates trust in them, 
it, it, le it decreases their level of fear when they come into hospital and they're unwell. Um, so I love that part of it. But I was also really enjoyed the ability to extend my nursing skills. Mm. So um, apart from, you know, the doctor might be an hour away in some of those places. Mm. So you would have to assess and communicate the information, whether it was to RFDS or a doctor who was on their way, you would have to start treating. So I did things while I was there, like I got my x-ray license, I got my immunisation certificate, mm -hmm. I learned how to suture. So um, my skills were expanded more so than they would have been mm -hmm. uh, if I was in a, say, a ward in a hospital. Did you find that difficult, Rebecca? Because I know there's a big kind of shift when you go from almost it's almost the safety of a hospital ward isn't it where there's people mm -hmm. around and you've always got someone mm -hmm. to ask to going to work in a remote area in in the community and yeah huge advantages to that but it it's almost a different skill set and I wonder initially how how did you cope with that transition yeah um look I had some great mentors and I, I um I found at that time that many nurses who are working alongside were very, very experienced in what they did and they were very, very willing to share their stories and um, to mentor and teach. Mm. So really that's how I got through it. Mm. Apart from the fact that I think I was just really young and naive and excited and, and wanted to do <laughs> things, you know, and making mistakes was not an issue. You know, no. making mistakes is not an issue when you're young and no. you see it as challenge and you just keep moving forward yeah yeah um, but it, it would have been the nurses surrounding me and their willingness to teach that I think uh, really got me through that mm. Mm. a fabulous opportunity to expand skills as well all of those mm. extra skills that you you know acquired and had training for and it yes. must be quite a yeah. privileged position in a way to be part of yeah. a community like that and be yeah. known and recognized very much very much so yeah. and we know that nurses in general are seen very much as a trusting profession mm. uh, I think when you work in small communities though um, it's important to gain people's confidence particularly around confidentiality mm. um, you know they want to know that they will come to you and the next door neighbor won't find out what happened mm. So th there needs to be some confidence in that relationship as well. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I guess a fabulous experience, you know, learning about Indigenous culture and health mm. as well, opportunity mm. to expand those skills. Absolutely. That was a wonderful opportunity for me. Um, that was in the late, late 90s, early um, 2000s, when mm -hmm. I had that op those opportunities mm. to do that. And um, again, I was a city girl coming from Melbourne and I had very limited exposure. There was um, to any sort of Indigenous people, let mm. alone um, Indigenous communities. So um, it, look, e even 20 years ago, 20 to 30 years ago, I think there was still a matriarchal type delivery of services in mm. Indigenous communities. It's changed now, thank goodness. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of autonomy um, that is encouraged in communities. Mm. Um, so when I did start there, I did, I did see things that I thought were wrong. Mm. 
when I first started nursing by nursing staff who had been there for a long time in Indigenous communities. Um, I did see a lot of poverty. I'd never seen the poverty or living conditions that I saw uh, in the communities. But I also saw, saw great joy and I saw people trying to um, get educated. I saw people loving families who really cared about each other mm. um, and really cared about their health. So one year um, I did um, Nurse of the Year through the Cancer Council. Mm. I was working up north and that was great. So we did some wonderful fundraising events. We did bike ride runs and the kids loved it. You know, the kids of the community would come to all of those events and they would absolutely love being involved. Mm. Yeah, it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I guess I'm curious to know as well in terms of, you know, quite a lot of the younger nurses, and I, I can relate to what you said at the beginning about when you, you've just qualified and you want to be, you know, out there and and you know gaining skills and putting it all into practice and it's often those areas like ed icu that everybody kind of when you talk to the mo most nurses tend to say that's where they want to work yes. when they just qualified yeah do you yeah. do you think that working in remote and rural areas is seen as something that nurses want to do do you think that's changed from kind of your time when you were there to is it is it something that kind of the younger generation of nurses coming out want to do is that something that you think yeah. has changed uh, look I don't think so I think that it's still seen as very isolating living a thousand kilometers from a city um, I think that uh, people who study nursing who are from those areas mm. do want to go back so they want to make a difference to their community and I do, yeah. do see that. And, you know, it's great. I see it in Queensland. More and more nursing schools have opened in, you know, major rural regional towns to encourage mm -hmm. that to happen. Um, but I, I still think the distance and the isolation stop people from going to those areas and the unknown. I, I think again, people don't understand what rural and remote nursing entails. Because mm. yeah. mm. it is, it, it's you know very very different to you know like my understanding of community is very different because my community experience was in the UK, which is not at all in any way, shape, or form comparable. You know, and sure. it, the distances, the remoteness, the isolation, yeah. all of those yes. make it a yeah. really challenging but yeah. equally a really rewarding career because the scope oh. to expand and a lot of great nurse-led initiatives so I think they are very much so yeah very yeah so. yeah I, I look I, I think also something that puts um, perhaps puts people off is safety so we hear in the media when things go wrong in mm. rural and remote communities with nurses and safety is a real issue you know, yeah. it's a real issue for nurses who are working yeah. on their own or get called out um, and have to go and go to people's houses on their own. Yeah. And that's what the community sees sometimes through the media, that mm. it's not safe. Mm. So when I lived in one of the um, Indigenous communities, I was actually shocked. So our living quarters had barbed wire around it. And I can remember, again, being this naive 20-something, young 20-something year old girl going, oh my goodness, you know, mm. we've got barbed wire and, and padlocks. Mm. Uh, you had to padlock the gate mm. at night. 
Um, but if, if you work through that and get to know the people yeah. um, of the community, it changes your thinking. Yeah. You know? yeah. And listening to their stories, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. A valuable yeah. experience really as well. Yes. Yes, very much so, very much so. So you did 15 years there, you said, altogether? Yes, look, throughout, throughout, yes. We never... um, we never sort of stayed anywhere longer than probably um, three or four years. My husband's a police officer, so we moved around yeah. um, in our careers. And, and I've, I've enjoyed that variety, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kept me going and um, kept me excited, I suppose, yeah. about the profession. Mm. Um, so different rural and remote hospitals. I studied my midwifery um, and I enjoyed that to a point. I really enjoyed the post and antenatal care of women. Mm-hmm. Um, the delivery suite didn't do anything for me at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't, didn't get me going. But um, post and antenatal care and um, teaching, really. Yeah. Teaching and educating women and their husbands, partners and their families yeah. uh, was something that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a really diverse experience, Rebecca, from all the different things that you've done, really, and a lot of skills there as well. Yeah, very much so. I'm very grateful. Uh, Nursing's a fantastic profession. I would encourage, if people have uh, a a caring and compassionate and kind people, Mm. are willing to take risks, um, can think laterally, uh, I encourage people to go into nursing as a career. You know, mm. whether they start as a young person at 18 or whether at 50 they decide that they want to change their career. Mm. It, it, it's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit, because you, you're working currently in aged mm. care. So tell yes. me a little bit about your journey from we've been out rural, remote, midwifery. How did, how yeah. did you come to back almost to where you started? Because you, sure. you talked about experience very early on so how did he come back to that yeah um we were living in a small country town in queensland um and i was the director of nursing at an indigenous community um near kingaroy it's a community called sherberg and i'd been working there as a community midwife then was the director of nursing and look i enjoyed the position but it became very political Mm-hmm. And um, I, I suppose when you get to a point where um, it wasn't my purpose anymore, my purpose wasn't to be involved in the politics. My purpose for nursing was to care for people. Mm-hmm. So um, I just saw an ad in a, in the paper, in the local paper, about managing um, uh, two residential aged care homes. Uh, in a uh, regional community not far from where we lived. Mm. So I thought, why not? Let's do it, you know. Um, I I had loved aged and community care. It was something, I loved the relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, in acute care, you're seeing people, you might care and support them for 
three to five days at the most, mm -hmm. and then they're gone. But in aged care, it's that continual evolving relationship where you see people all the time um, and you get to know them on a much, much deeper level. Uh, I'd also grown up with um, elders surrounding me. So my nana, one of my nanas is now 95 and she's mm -hmm. the matriarch of that side of the family. So I, I'd grown up with quite strong, resilient elder women in my, all of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed the company of elders and um, respected that as you get older, you can get vulnerable. And as a community and a society, it's our responsibility to support them, to have a great life in, in their ageing time, basically. So I, um, I applied for this position and was successful. And that was my new journey, I suppose, to manage residential homes, and then um, within my portfolio, I started managing community as well. Mm. Mm. So I went from, even as a director of nursing in a uh, Indigenous community, you still had to do clinical type work. That was yeah. part of your job. But now um, this was very much a management leader type role in aged care. Um, so it, it was a great learning curve for me, apart from the usual sort of job description of, you know, workplace health and safety and financial, financial <laughs> overview, there was the big, big new world of quality for me yeah. and the quality standards in aged care, which I had not, um, not even um, experienced, to be quite honest, in my whole career. So that was very, very exciting at that time. Um, it was also a great opportunity for um, me to coach and lead people, yeah. which is my love. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I got there, really. It was, it was just time for something new. The ad was in the paper and I decided to go for it. Yeah. One of the things that you said you wanted to talk about, because one of the questions I asked you um, in the information I sent out was the topics that you'd like to talk about. One of them was myth busting about nursing mm. in aged care. And I'm curious to know a little bit more about that from yeah. your perspective, because aged care, as we know, has had a lot of attention in the press, particularly mm. recently. And there's the um, Royal Commission reports. The Royal Commission. There's a lot yeah. going on around aged there care. Is. So yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to hear your perspective on the myth busting and, and what that mm. means for you. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, look, I, I think the role of a registered nurse in aged care is very, very misunderstood. I think it's misunderstood by um, uh, nurses not involved in aged care. I think it's misunderstood by the community in general. Um, and I think that it's important that we uh, shine a light on the industry to our um, trainee nurses in university and the graduates to say, hey, this is actually a very, very rewarding role. It's actually a specialty in that. I very much see it as a specialty in nursing. So on an average day in a registered nurse's life in aged care, you could be an emergency department nurse, you could be a wound care manager, you could be a palliative care nurse. It's challenging, um, but it's also um, 
it's a wonderful environment, again, to learn and to have relationships with uh, residents and their families and mm. to make a difference in people's lives. Mm. Um, so, so it's a complex role in aged care. It's not just about pushing a medication trolley no. around and handing no. out drugs, which is unfortunately how I think some people might see that. Mm. How do you think we can change those perceptions, Rebecca? Because I share your um, passion around that as well, having worked with older people. And a lot of people used to say to me, oh, you know, why don't you get a proper nursing job? And I'd be like, yeah. it, is, it is a proper nursing job. Why, yeah. you know, why do you not consider that a proper job? Yeah. What, what needs to change, do you think, to kind of almost shift that negative perception of working in aged care yeah yeah I think um, a lot of it is around storytelling so us as aged care nurses need to tell our stories so um, and I don't think that we possibly do that as well as we could I think we're starting to you're right with the Royal Commission there's a real spotlight on aged care now mm. be it um, unfortunately, again, the stories that are coming out are negative um, and there are some terrible, terrible events that have happened in aged care. Um, however, I'm a true believer, having worked in quite a few homes now, that um, there is wonderful, wonderful care um, and wonderful nursing, wonderful, compassionate and caring people, whether it's um, the chef working in the kitchen or uh, the person in the laundry or the cleaner cleaning residence rooms. Mm. They are there because they are passionate and they want to give great care and empathy to our elders. Mm. Mm. So it's about telling stories. I think it's about um, encouraging graduates. They do do their placement there, yeah. um, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, and encouraging that more so. Uh, we do find now, which is great as well, that when the international nurses come over, that they come and do a placement in aged care as well, which is fantastic. Mm, that's great. I would love, love to see um, a, uh, a program where acute nurses and aged care nurses maybe do a, do a swap or a mm. program where they spend a week or two weeks mm in each other's area um, because I, I think it's also helpful for aged care nurses to go back into mm. the acute setting just for um, experience in acute and again that assessment just re re-looking at their assessment mm. skills mm. yeah mm. okay good um, yeah I, I think I think that's the way I mean, it's a, it's a great question, Eva, and I think uh, us in the industry have been asking this question for a mm. long, long time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. I'm going to move on to the next topic that you had on on the list well there's two actually and I wonder whether they're combined but we'll go with the, the second one which was um, burnout in nursing yeah. Yeah. so yeah. keen to know you know from mm. you why that's yeah. a, an important topic yeah absolutely 
Um, I think in generally, uh, in general, nurses, there are many, many nurses that suffer burnout in many different degrees. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talk about it. Um, I'm studying at the moment and I've just written a research paper on nurse burnout. There are many, many um, papers on it. There's been uh, a lot of research on it, but I don't think that uh, it's culturally acceptable to talk about it because it's seen as failure or being weak. And uh, we're greatly at risk at nurses. We, we care about everybody else. You know, we work long shifts. We work 12-hour shifts. We work lots of overtime. Um, we often are understaffed. Uh, that creates an environment of stress as it is anyway. And um, we give ourselves to people. I'm, I'm talking generally that as a nurse mm. is what we do. I myself um, had a terrible experience last year where I um, was um, had all the classic signs. The World Health Organization now uh, recognises burnout yes. as, as a phenomenon. I think last year they made that decision. And um, I myself, I went and saw my GP about some symptoms that I was displaying. And she said to me, Rebecca, you're burnt out. Mm-hmm. What? Mm. So it's been probably the last six months, quite a passion of mine. I've been, you know, when you find out um, you've, you're, um, when I found out that I had this, I read. So I read, <laughs> I listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Research yourself. Research myself, <laughs> silly. You know? Um, and looking now able to reflect on my nursing and reflecting on nurses around me, mm. I, I truly believe it happens. You, you can see particularly in aged care, the turnover of nurses, um, whether it's in management. So um, the, the turnover rate is very, very high. Mm. You know, and I, and I, I, I truly believe that some of it is down to us as nurses burning out mm. and either not understanding the signs mm. or ignoring the signs or not knowing what to do mm. when we feel like we're feeling. Mm. Mm. What, what do you think can help with that? Because I, I agree, Rebecca, I think quite often or too often nurses don't realise that they're at that point of burnout. You know, mm. I've had colleagues in similar situations who, you know, only actually realised they were burnt out when somebody said to them, I actually think that's, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. given that nurses kind of give so much of themselves in terms mm. of the emotional labour of work yeah. that they do, what yeah. are the things do you think that, perhaps could help nurses to almost be able to intervene before we get to the point where nurses are completely burnt out and we lose them from the profession because yes. you're right you know we the the research is out there that's saying this is a problem but what are we actually doing about it and I'm mm. keen to to know you know from your experience and I know that you're studying at the moment and there's yeah. a link there so I'll let yes I'll let you share <laughs> your thoughts <laughs> that's a great segue Eva <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking there's two lots of responsibility there's responsibility on ourselves as registered nurses 
to keep healthy. So we've got the basics, don't we, where we have to try and have a great lifestyle, where we exercise and eat properly. We practice some sort of mindfulness. Uh, we learn to say no. So we learn to say that we've just worked our 10th shift and we get rung up and we say, we're asked, can we please do another shift tomorrow? Mm. We've got to learn to say no and self-care. Mm. I don't think we do that well. Mm. I think um, if we start having conversations in the nursing community about what burnout is and what we can do, you know, and make it, have an awareness about it mm. um, and have peer support, so support each other. And, of course, have a coach, Eva, have a coach. So... Um, I, I first heard about coaching probably about four years ago mm -hmm. um, and it was around career coaching. So I engaged with a coach and it was one of the best things that I ever had ever done. So a coach or a professional coach um, and they're known by a life coach, a resilience coach, um, is a person who actively listens to you um, they support you. They understand that you have the answers to your future. Um, and they ask very powerful questions to have a deep dive into whatever is going on in your life. So I was, I, um, the whole way I thought about my career changed when I had, uh, when I went to a coach. Um, and the way that I stood in my own way of doing things and my own thoughts were controlling my emotions and how I was feeling about things and that I was actually being an imposter in many parts of my career um, that I hadn't realised I was. Um, so I, I don't believe though that coaching again is understood or talked about in nursing. You know, many CEOs have a coach and have many coaches uh, people in the business world are encouraged to coach. I think some of us in nursing naturally coach our um, people who report to us or um, people who come to us and want to grow professionally. Mm. I think we do it informally. Um, but having now studied it, there's a, a, a particular technique and a way that we... Um, we can be involved in pure coaching mm. that um, we just, I, I just don't see at the moment. No. Um, I, I saw quite a lot of research that physicians are doing it. And I think doctors mm. are more on board with coaching now, mm. but us so not, not so much nurses, mm. which segues nicely into um, organisational um, responsibility. So you ask the question about what can we do? Mm. I think again, there's a responsibility from the nursing fraternity and um, organisations who either employ or support nurses to educate nurses around burnout um, and then again mental health and how to care for themselves. And really look into coaching. We, you know, we, I, I think most organisations train their team very well. Yeah. Um, I think mentorship is, is um, very popular and um, done very well in nursing, mm -hmm. but the coaching aspect, I think we've got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Do you find sometimes this confusion between 
mentoring and coaching when you talk to your nursing colleagues because they're very different as as you and I both know but I I wonder your experience of certainly the understanding of coaching and perhaps um not understanding how it can help you know somebody with things like burnout and how to cope with stress as you as you point out there's quite a lot of work being done with the medical profession but Mm. not so much in the nursing space which needs to change I, I think one of the barriers is um, at the moment, I think as nurses, uh, we need to know that something is evidence-based mm. right? because we're taught that. Mm. Our clinical skills have to be evidence-based. And the research that I've done is showing that there's not a lot of evidence-based um, coaching. There's not a lot of research being done into coaching yet and no. coaching around nurses. Mm. So I I think that's a real barrier because as nurses, we want to see that or else we see it as a bit of woohoo type, you know, where it's not. So that's probably one of the barriers I see. Um, And yes, you asked the question about difference between mentor and coaching, which I think is a great difference. So mentoring is um, to me about educating and showing still listening and getting getting the opinion of the person but it's very much about a more experienced person supporting a less experienced whether it's in one type of skill or a whole the whole nursing skill whereas coaching to me is very much about that person moving forward and going on a journey forward and the coaching asking very powerful deep questions to that person to help them move forward, help them, support them to uh, create the goals that they want and the actions for those goals. That's very basic how I see coaching Um, and very deep listening. I used to think I listened very well. Once I finished the course, Eva, I realised that I was not actively listening to people. I'm laughing because I realised the same thing. <laughs> it, it's amazing. Yeah. You think you're a good listener until you start to study coaching and then you, oh, no. Actually. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I, and I even have to stop myself now. I, I'm now working as a registered in aged care, which I absolutely love. Um, and I have to go, oh, actually, I'm not actively listening to you because I'm thinking about mm-hmm. Mr. and Mr. Smith next door and what I have to support them with. Yes. So I'm yeah. picking myself up now. Yeah. You know, about <laughs> listening for those changes in people's voices, their tone. It's about what, if you're with them, watching their body movements and, and their, how their eyes are, where their eyes are moving and, and the words the actual words that they're saying Mm. if you could use today as an opportunity to send a message about what you think needs to happen what would that message be or burnout particularly or coaching or both okay yeah absolutely um the message would be um 
you as a nurse, as an individual nurse, you have the answers. You have the answers to your journey, to your pathway, to your health. Be open to let people in to support you to go on that journey. Great, good advice. What about you in relation to your self-care now that yeah. you've been you've been through that experience mm. of burnout? Yeah. How how has that changed how you look after you now? Mm, yeah. Um, well, I, look, I made a big decision to um, leave management mm. and. Um, go back to be on the floor, in inverted commas, as a registered nurse. That was a very difficult decision um, because I actually really loved being a leader and being a manager in aged care. I loved the opportunities that afforded me. I loved um, being able to support and grow people. Um, so, and uh, look, a little bit of my ego got in the way as mm. well that, um, you know, I've failed. Um, I, I, I'm not, um, uh, yes, I've failed really was the big thing for me that I had to get over. So what do I do now? I, I look after myself. So now I'm a registered nurse. I, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a very lucky position where I can work casually. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've learned to say no. If I can't work a shift, I say, no, sorry, I can't work. Um, and that has really freed me um, psychologically, for want of a better word, that I can say that. Um, I exercise now, which is great. So I've had two wonderful trainers um, who have helped me um, get start getting physically fit. I haven't got to my goal yet. It's a long journey. Um, but I lift weights, I do some cardio, and I'm starting to feel strong physically and mentally now. Um, I have a coach. So, um, and I enjoy spending time with my coach because I have goals. So I see them on a monthly basis now. Mm. And I just have little stretch goals every month. Mm. And um, I, it excites me when I achieve those. That's something I need to achieve. Yeah. So that's been great. Yeah. Um, and just talking about it now. So I would have been embarrassed. I remember when I um, had to tell um, the person who I was reporting to, I was so embarrassed, Eva. I was mm. so embarrassed and um, that I had to tell somebody that I was burnt out. Yeah. And I must say that I, um, I was unfortunately shocked that I had some wonderful phone calls from the executive of the company that I worked with I had phone calls from the CEO and the COO and they were so caring. Um, and that was, that was um, um, enlightening really for me, mm. actually, that we mm. should talk about this more often. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that's something else I do is talk about it. Because there's mm. a lot of stigma, I think, around, well, as we know, there's a lot of stigma around 
kind of mental health, burnout, yeah. stress-related issues. Yes. But I also think that as a nurse, we struggle with the whole holding our hands up to say, actually, I'm not coping because sometimes there's fear of what other people might think. Correct. You know, that Absolutely. Whole, or they're not, they're not coping or they're not doing very well. Or it, it's, yeah. it's almost, it, it, in a way, it's so sad that nurses have to get to that point where they're completely burnt out mm. to then mm. be able to recognise kind of how that happened to, to put measures in place so it doesn't happen again it's almost yeah. like how do we catch that before that point yeah no yeah. and I'm, I'm also curious to know now with hindsight you know what what could have made the difference do you think for you before you got to that point of feeling mm. completely burnt out what what would have what would have helped yeah Look, I think, um, and it, 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 it's still difficult for me to say, but I, I'm someone who gets very emotionally involved in what I do. And my loved ones surrounding me will tell me that. Mm. I just thought that's what you had to do when you're a nurse. Mm. That's why I got into nursing. Um, and I, you get emotionally involved in it, I think. And sometimes, mm. to be honest, you lose perspective. Mm. Yeah. And if I had just caught myself, and it's a slow burn, burnout. It's a, mm. It doesn't, well, for me, it just didn't happen overnight. No. It probably over six months of long working hours. Um, I had to travel quite a distance to work. And that was my choice. Mm. Um, so I think now... Um, it, I should have listened to the signs. I should have seen when I was working, working long hours to put my hand up and say, I'm actually working long hours. This isn't acceptable for me anymore. But these are the things that I think we can do to put in place. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think we need to, as nurses and nurse leaders, to be able to take a step back and realise that we work as a team and you can't be responsible for everything that happens. No. No. Mm. Yes, so they're my learning lessons, yeah. Eva. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Rebecca, for sharing. You know, I appreciate your honesty because, I, as we both know, it's something that's not often talked about. And it's, mm. it's a big thing to be able to, you know, say that out loud actually and I yeah. you know I appreciate your honesty because the whole point of doing these podcasts if another nurse listening to your story recognizes that you know then that's yeah. that's a really important takeaway for them you know yeah. and I'd, I just kind of on a final question just thinking about all of those things that you've said what would you what advice would you give knowing what you know now having been through mm. everything you've gone through what advice would you give to a younger nurse who's maybe just starting out on their career around that whole issue of burnout and stress management yeah um that you you really need to look after number one first that self-care is so important because if you don't look after yourself, you really can't care and look after yeah. others. 
you just can't. So, so you must, must self-care in the variety of ways that we talked about, you know, lifestyle, making sure that you have something in your house in your life that's not just nursing, you know, have friends who are outside of nursing who have a totally different perspective on life. Yeah. So there's yep. Self-care, number one. Yeah, that's right. Oh. There needs to be balance. Yeah. And then the very, very last question, Rebecca, is what would you most like to be remembered for in your career? Because you've done so many fabulous things. You, we've gone literally like around the country. We've been rural. We've been acute. We've been elderly care, mid midwifery. What, what would you most like to be remembered for? Yeah, that, look, that's an easy one for me. I want to be remembered for supporting and coaching people through growth. So if I can be remembered that, oh my gosh, I can remember that Rebecca sat down and really listened to me and she helped support me to make a decision that has put me on another pathway or helped me get through a really tough time and now I can see the light. That to me is so important. Whether it is another nurse, a colleague, a patient, mm. a patient's family, that's how I would like to be remembered. Well, that's a great note to finish our interview on, a very positive note. And I, again, once again, thank you, Rebecca, for sharing your nursing career and your journey and some really great insights and honesty around that. So thank you. Thank you, Eva. It's been a great opportunity to reflect <laughs> and reminisce. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs>